0: Everyone, uh, welcome to a uh, much delayed edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. Uh, it's been a bit. Uh, things have, you know, been happening—weather uh, things, Mike had, and bubble things, which didn't quite end as we would have hoped, and other life things. But we're glad to be back, Mike. I'm especially be glad to be talking to you. How are you doing today?
1: I'm hanging in there. Like Tom said, it's been a while, so we're back. Uh, it's been, you know, I feel like we haven't recorded in a month or a little bit more than a month, so apologies to folks for the delay, but life kind of gets in the way. Um, needless to say, Tom, a lot of things have happened in Rangers world since last we spoke. The Rangers are 6-8-3, uh, not great, and, uh, you know, could be better. I mean, they looked pretty good in their last game against Philly but they lost. But, uh, of course, the big story surrounding the Rangers right now is the fact that Artemi Panarin is not with the team and he hasn't been on the ice the last couple games.
0: Yeah, when I – it's weird because I think a lot of us, when we just sort of talked and um, going into the new year and things we looked forward to and, you know, hey, it's – 2020 is finally gone. 2021 is full of new opportunity and all of that stuff, and it just seems that 2020 has been like, yeah, uh, hold my beer and watch this. Um, I I think it's, you know, obviously it's it's a couple days after the news broke, and um, in one respect, it's kind of okay that we're recording now because. There's more information out than there was originally, and in a story as um, complicated, and using complicated as a word just because whenever there is any story and there's allegations as as serious as there were, you don't want to be quick to to judgment in any respect. You want to, A, hear them at, at face value and say, okay, this is what's being said. After that, you most people, I would say, you use common sense and say, "Okay, here's what I think about this," and then see, let's see what comes out, and we go from there. So, um, obviously, the story goes that this was an incident that took, you know, place, you know, over a decade ago, and it involves a, a younger Artemi Panarin, who was then in the KHL, um, alleged that he. Was in an altercation with a, a young woman in Latvia, um, and basically these are being said by his, his former KHL coach and someone who has been described by you know many as having um, dubious character and not very trustworthy and very um, pro pro Vladimir Putin and Kremlin and things of that nature, um, but as we've seen, like there's a lot of lot of details that don't just sort of line up like I know one of the things that people have pointed out is he said well the reason this story didn't come out is because there was like bribery in euros and someone pointed out well the currency wasn't a euro then and it's just it was kind of like a mess and um that's not the, the particulars of what's been said so far, like you have a lot of people saying, like one of them, um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's Ivis Kalmans um, on, on Twitter, he's a KHL European hockey reporter, um, basically saying, you know, can confirm the Latvian authorities. That there hasn't been a report filed on the alleged incident nor ever there been a court case as opposed to reports that there had been and the police were involved Um, you know going on to say last thing and after this I no longer will be commenting or speaking on this Nazarov also said that half if not whole hockey nation of Latvia knows about this Um, he says I spoke with many people who would have been involved or would have known about this not one person said that it's true um, and then you obviously have, like, Emily Catlin yeah. of ESPN. She talked to some former teammates of Panarin's. Molly Walker had a story. Um, there's so many different people. I know ESPN's uh, podcast, The Daily, um, had, had Emily on and also had, um, you know, Isabel Kushkardian, who – is a um based in moscow right now she used to actually cover the the washington capitals for the washington post and now she's you know a foreign correspondent based in moscow sort of talking about all the implications of this so from what was a um really shocking story at the beginning to the point that he's taken a leave of absence we've had a wealth of information come out in just a few days now obviously This is not mere you saying in stone, you know, he's cleared or, you know, it's just this is what the story was. This is what we've heard so far. This is what people, you know, better than than you or I um, who've talked to, quote unquote, people in the know. This is what they think. And obviously, by the time we report our next podcast, it wouldn't surprise me if more information came out and. I'm going to stop talking because I did what I kind of usually do and just ramble and I watched Mike hit the mute button and I can only imagine <laughs> like him like petting Franklin or you know, doodling or, or something. Like, man, when's this Tom guy going to shut the fuck up?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, when stories like this happen, it's important to remember two things. One, innocent until proven guilty. But two, we need to take accusations and allegations of violence and or abuse towards women very seriously. And we need to believe women. uh, That's just what we need to do in these situations because our society has a problem with that. And the problem here, Tom, is one, this isn't uh, someone who may have experienced violence or abuse coming forward. It's coming from a third party. And the other thing that's at play here is this curtain uh, between what we know and expect from uh, how the media and laws work in this country versus what goes on in a country that you know infamously has you know a kind of weird record with media and uh, and things like justice uh, going on so we have to be skeptical i think here but we also need to take things like this like you said super seriously and I think that for the most part, everyone has done that. What's interesting about how things have unfolded here with Panarin is like the Rangers wasted no time in coming out in support of Artemi, um, you know, which is noteworthy, not only because of prolonged silences and, and other instances where you've waited for the team to make comment. But, you know, we, we saw the league step forward. The KHL made a statement that, you know, there's no awareness of anything like this. Um, you know, in Molly Walker's kind of follow up, there was one teammate, former teammate of uh, Panarin's, where, you know, he said something along the lines of like, he maybe may have pushed a girl or something, but it wasn't. Uh, there was no bribing of the police. There was no, you know, it wasn't, if anything, it was something that was inflated. So, you know, is there smoke here? Is there fire? I don't know. Like, I. I'm withholding, like, I want to know the truth, and I think it's important we get to the bottom of of what the hell's going on. But this is just a goddamn mess, trying to figure out what is actually going on. And, you know, we have Molly Walker talking to a couple guys, you know, like guys who might be familiar to Rangers fans' names, like uh, Kip Brennan, who played for the Islanders for a couple years, is one of the former players she talked to, who was a teammate of uh, Panarin's. And, of course, The other part of this, uh, I forget if you mentioned this or not, Tom, which is the coach in question is a kind of outspoken Putin supporter. And Artemi Panarin um, is very much not that and has even taken to social media to speak against Vladimir Putin, which is something we just, period, you know, end of sentence, we don't see Russian NHLers do. Um, It's very uncommon to see that happen. And all these things are relevant because... um, that's what the story is this is a guy who we all know what his value is to the team this is a guy who should have won the heart trophy last year he's the new face of the franchise this is a massive story and he's not in the lineup and that's because of this going on and he wants to take time away if he wanted to play right now if he didn't want to take a leave of absence i don't think the rangers would have any problem with him being in the lineup but I think for the sake of, you know, I don't want to do any assumptions, but it's clear that for the sake of him and his family and mental health and all those things, he's just taking a leave of absence, and if Artemi's innocent, I hope nothing more than that this is, you know, as painless a process as it can be for him and his family, and I hope this goes away quickly, and, you know, he's exonerated if, in fact, he's not at fault here, and if there is something else going on, I hope we get to the bottom of it. No matter what, I hope we get to the goddamn bottom of it. But uh, needless to say, this is going to shape the season, Tom, because this is the indefinite absence of Artemi Panarin. And given all the other things going on with the Rangers, oh, forgive me, that's my alarm for the podcast. Alexis stop! You blew it! Um, <laughs> that is, you know... What I was saying is, like, with all the absences in the lineup that we're going to get to next, like, the Rangers are seriously depleted. So not having your heart Trophy candidate in the lineup is a pretty big deal.
0: Yes, certainly. It's overall, and the last thing I'll say about it, it's, it's a complex situation. Um, like any time we talk about topics like this, I implore all of our listeners to um, use Google, um you know you can search out the story and you'll get subsequent coverage of you know people who have written about this they've looked at it from different angles um if you guys don't listen uh, or haven't listened yet um on blue shirts breakaways podcast the at the athletic this week they had um ishan Tharoor of the washington post he's a foreign affairs columnist he was able to provide some additional commentary Um, On some of the the political aspects of it in in, in the context, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, Panarin's support of of Navalny on Instagram sort of being something that is being linked to this situation. I know others have, you know, sort of um, looked at it too, because in the sense of like, we have, like you mentioned earlier that you have this this certain perception, depending on, on where you are, where it's the way it's portrayed is obviously different and like you I'm no expert on this but anyone and I've seen a people people like look at you know Alexei Navalny and who he is and, and you know things of that nature and um so the long story short is we like the Rangers we like the hockey obviously we're in by no means any experts nor do we pretend to be experts so um take everything with a grain of salt, but it's good to be informed by reading different perspectives from different outlets, and you ultimately will um, feel however you're going to feel, but by having that additional context and um, you know trying to avoid that snap judgment when you hear news and say, I'm going to feel this way because um, it's just good to have that additional perspective.
1: Yeah, now that we've learned a bunch of things, it remains time to wait and see with this story. So, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of people just say this isn't what happened. And then there's these little details where you have to be like, all right, well, what about this little detail? Or is that just one guy? And, you know, uh, why is this being brought up 10 years later? Like, some people are like, why is this being brought up 10 years later? Is it politically motivated? There is a reality where it's politically motivated and something shitty happened. those are not mutually exclusive, right? Both of those things could happen. That something shitty happened and Panarin did something shitty. Or maybe he was present when a teammate did something shitty. Who knows? And, you know, didn't do what we would expect him to do as a human being. And who the hell knows? Uh, Only a handful of people know what is actually going on. And I think the North American hockey media is trying to play catch up and you know people like Slava Malamud and other people like uh I I won't even try to butcher his name after you butchered his name but uh (laughs) you know seeing the reports coming out of Europe and Russia with people who were really kind of tapped into this stuff it sounds like there's the skepticism is very much warranted here that there's something fishy going on here I still hope we get a clearer picture of what did or didn't happen something a little more Irrefutable, but I don't know, Tom. We might never get that um, because it's it's Russia, and it's you know obviously it's this the incident reportedly or allegedly occurred in Latvia, but you know for the sake of all things, this is the Russian media and Russian politics, and oh my God, it's just a goddamn mess. So who knows? We'll see.
0: We certainly shall see. Um... I guess now is a good point to just it's there's no great way to transition, but I think the one thing we can say that is somewhat of a transition is looking at last night's game and we're not like not, we're not specifically talking about last night's game, but just the wealth of talent and just regular roster players out of the lineup. Like when I look at the names and the context of why they're out, it's like, I almost like got this, um, this sense of like it's. What is this? Is this like lyrics to, um, you know, you know, we didn't start the fire, and it's like you know, like you know, Kako Miller, COVID protocol, Truba injury. It's like all of these different things, and it's like happening simultaneously, and not to
1: mention D'Angelo being out of the lineup too. Like it's, yes, it's. And, like, you know, it was interesting, like, with uh, I watched Philly's broadcast last night, and they talked about all the guys who are out of the lineup for the for the Flyers, and I was like, yeah, the Rangers have, like, our best forward lately has been Colin Blackwell. That's where we are right now. And the third pair is, you know, Potato and Lieber Hayek. So, um, things are not great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really crazy to see how this roster has been stretched so thin, and, I think it's maybe been a little bit overlooked just because every team has had to deal with so much shit with all the COVID, the COVID list and everything. But obviously we have, you know, heightened concern for Capo Caco being on the COVID list for the second time. Um, and Keandre Miller being on COVID protocol list is also uh, not great. And then on top of that, you have the Jacob Truba injury. It's a hand injury, right, Tom? Or a fingy? A yeah. thought.
0: Yeah, I think it Broken Finger of some sorts. One the of the thingies he's broken. broken. Yeah.
1: yeah, He's out for over a month, I think the last, I thought I saw six to eight weeks, but I don't remember. But a very long time without Truba, which sucks because, like, I don't know, the underlying numbers on Truba this year were looking not awful. Um, promising, I would say. I mean, just not to say that they were ever really awful, but compared to what we saw last season... It was an encouraging sign from Trubin in terms of what the underlings were. And, you know, Jack Johnson was out of line for a couple of games, and now we have some more Jack Johnson. And, you know, Anthony Potato scored one unforgettable goal, and now everyone realizes, oh, this is who Anthony Potato is. Um, it's It's been kind of crazy to see how, how thin this team is stretched right now. And I know something you wanted to talk about, um, and I, I'll kick this over to you because it is important uh filipino got back on the ice today he he was in practice rolling with all three lines or the three lines that we would expect him to be on and it's like we only saw like half a dozen games of filipino before he was knocked out of the lineup but him missing from this lineup is just it's left a giant hole right like it's hard to imagine a guy this young being this important already but this team has not been the same without Philip it's, it's It feels crazy to make that statement, but I feel like it's true, right?
0: Yeah, it's like when you look at this team and part of it was because the Bananjet wasn't particularly playing well and Strom was off to a slow start, although, in, in credit enough to him, he has looked a lot better that you had Hedl, who was just playing really good, amazing hockey and I you were talking about Truba looking better this year Um, that's the case too. even Kako's underlying numbers like looking across the board you could see elements of improvement so that When you have this ongoing improvement and then them being taken out of the lineup It's a bit. Um, it's a bit frustrating because this is very much a year It's the you know third year of David Quinn and um obviously you look at you want to see okay, year one, year two, what it it was, what it was, and this is a pivotal year because you're looking to turn the page, and um, you know obviously there are things that I haven't liked with David Quinn, um, you know interestingly enough. Um, now that Claude Julien was fired by the Montreal Canadiens, um, all of the sports books have put out you know odds on who are the next you know coach to be fired, and Quinn had the third best odds. And um, you know, not to say that he's going to be fired, but it's interesting to see that that is is the prevailing thought. But to get back to what you're asking in terms of the importance of Hedele, I think that while Kaku is out and while Panarin is out, Heedle is a legitimate, in my mind, top six forward, even though I would expect that he's going to be centering the, the third line upon his return. Um and you probably see him get some power play time because the power play units have been all kinds of fucked up because of everything going on. Um but yeah, I think I'm trying to pull it up. Um, I hadn't signed into my laptop for a bit so it didn't remember my, um, on on Evolving Wild, it delinked my my Patreon, but my thought was, and I'll confirm this, but, like, Heedle had, in terms of the Rangers, like, I think he was third or fourth in Gar. Like, it's, um...
1: Yeah, he was playing out out of his mind. I think, what did he play? Five games before he got hurt? So, you know, sample size... You know, oh yeah, noted. But um, just just watching him play, you're like, damn, Hedo's really cooking, and it was really noticeable early because Mika just looked so, so out of sorts um, compared to what we saw last year. And I think um, I noted on Twitter like the game against the Flyers, he had the two assists on Crowder's two power play goals. It was the, the first multi point game of the year for Mika, and I mean, what more do you have to say other than Mika's abandoned season so far, other than Buchnevich doing the, y- yanking the invisible monkey off his back after he scored that empty netter. Like, God damn, that guy just cannot buy a break right now. And, really against the Flyers, he could have had three or four points. Uh, he came away with two, and of course, cries with the hat trick. But, um, in the early goings, like, yeah, Heel was one of, one of the best skaters on the team. I mean, now, of course, you know, the season has moved on, and, you know, we're, for the Rangers, we're 17 games deep. But in those five games, I mean, it's a third of the games. Hedl was really one of the best forwards. So him getting healthy again, especially in light of everyone who's out of the lineup, is a pretty big deal.
0: So I finally got it pulled up. Um, so as of right now, and obviously games played matter. So Smith through 10 games leads them in Gar 3.7. Blackwell, nine games played, 3.4. Buchnevich, 17 games, 3.2. Hedl, the five games you mentioned, 2.5. Strom, 17 games, also 2.5. And then Ryan Lindgren, 17 games, 2.2. That's all of the um, players who have a GAR above one. Um, And if, you know, the next one on the list would be Kondra Miller at 0.8. So, yeah, that's just a snapshot right there of... If you're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, two of their most valuable players have been Smith and Blackwell. And then you have someone in Hedl who only played five games. That just speaks to some of the production that you've not been getting from other people in the lineup. And again, like as when I wrote the my story on Blackwell, like this is one part of the puzzle. You You're not going to just use... These underlying numbers as the be all end all, nor do you want to use box score numbers as a be all end all, goals, assists, points. Um, but having Heedle back, and I think uh, I don't remember who it was, I think it was Vince who had the quote from um, Quinn that said, Heedle is still day to day, and he wants to see him in a couple of practices, so I don't think we'll see him tomorrow, Friday at home versus uh, the Bruins. But then again, they play them again on I think it's Sunday, so maybe he'll be back by then. Although who knows if they'll practice Saturday after a game. But um, he was skating in a in a in a regular sweater, no 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 contact jersey, so it's not like he's um, ways off. But it's it's still going to be great to have him back, and maybe that's something that gives the team an extra spark. I know in the past he had skated a little bit. With Kako and Bucinevich, um and had some you know good chemistry more so with Buchnevich last year, and then that allows them to you know try some things. But again, anytime you're getting players back into the lineup, that means one person that's in it is coming out, and you're asking people who are playing above their abilities to to do a lot. So it, it definitely will be great to have Hiedel back.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's big, and you know it's it's crazy to think of you know, getting this hyped up about Hedel's return. And I know this is our first show in forever. So, you know, for us to linger on anything might be a little weird to our listeners. But, I mean, this has just been crazy um, with what's gone on with the Rangers and everything that's gone on with the lineup and then Panarin. And, you know, it'll be nice to have a little bit of good news with, with Hedel getting back. And, like, looking at what this team has kind of managed to do is it's kind of, you know, dragged along here like i don't know if you know we didn't we had a little bit of an idea of what we wanted to talk about but like you know i think it goes to that saying that just has been really strong and uh you know it's Kreider of course had the hat trick and then before that it was pretty quiet adam fox i don't know like adam fox Tom is is 25 minutes a game right now and like on the msg broadcast we've heard sam and joe talk about like yeah, you know, David Quinn wants to get Adam Fox less ice time. And then he plays, like, fucking 27 minutes. Um, we're going to be looking back at that Adam Fox trade for years as one of the better trades this organization has made. Like, what they got for what they gave up is pretty substantial so far. And I can't imagine what this team would be if if Adam Fox isn't what he is right now. And... Um, especially because the defense has been stretched so, so thin uh, while we wait for a conclusion of any kind um, on what happens with Tony D'Angelo. But, like, it's it's crazy to think about where this team is now and, like, the clock is kind of ticking. And I know some people are like, oh, David Quinn in the hot seat, like you said, with um, in regards to the Vegas odds. Like, I, I don't know. This year, if Panarin's out for any substantial amount of time which of course we just can't know like this this was probably not a playoff team with Panarin and this is definitely not a playoff team without him so I don't know it'll be really interesting to see how the Rangers kind of move forward here and what they look like you know hopefully he'll like you said sparks this team but it's uh it's not easy playing a bunch of games against the bruins and we'll have to see what the hell happens but it's not easy when you have kako kako out you have fucking keandre miller out you have all these guys out of the lineup and then on top of that you have mika zibanejad playing like you know like a ghost of himself um it puts a lot of pressure and it's like you wrote a great story about colin blackwell stepping up and it's awesome that we have those success stories but the other thing is like why haven't we seen Tarmo Rayonainen yet? I don't know. It's kind of been yeah, a
0: weird time. Yeah, I finally, like, I have the, the D pulled up on um, Evolving Hockey. And when you look at, well, I'll just have it by expected goals, you know, for percentage right now. Smith, fifty nine oh two, 02. Fox, 56 6. Lindgren, 53 42. Um, that's your top three, and they've all played double-digit games, and th- that's what you want to see. Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren as a pair. Smith's been better than he's gotten credit for. Um, yeah, he
1: has, but like the bar has, is just so low for Brandon Smith, which sucks, but that's the reality of his career right now is no one expects much of him.
0: Right, and then obviously, um, Truba's a little bit further down the list, 50.71, Miller 47.3, um, but... Like it's it's weird because you have in the case of Truba, his actual goals for is lower than his expected goals. And it's the inverse for Miller, his goals for higher than the expected goals. So um, it's sort of like on both ends of the spectrum, like not getting exactly what you think. Um, But like it's clear where the weak links are. And this is, of course, no, no fault to them. But like Anthony Boteto. Goals for 37.08%. Uh, Corsi, 39.84. Expected yeah. goals, 43.33. Not... Lieber Hayek below him, you know, forty. But that's what we expected.
1: Like, to be fair, that's kind of what we expected from Boteto. That's nothing against potato Like, that's what his career has been. Um, And then, you know, when, when he's on the ice with someone like Lieber Hayek, his numbers will get even more dragged down. And I don't, you know, we don't say these things to crap on these guys. The reality is, like, they're just... They're not NHL defensemen right now, um, and you know, in Potato's case, you know he's more of a veteran guy who, you know, in Winnipeg he was like the 7-8-9 guy, and so like, you know, the Rangers just find themselves in a position where they have to play Anthony Batetto, and they're really giving Libar Hayek a chance. And as as you were saying before, I cut you off. His Libar Hayek's underlying numbers are are even worse than Batetto's. and in that game against the Flyers, like. Libor Hayek made a couple just really bad plays. Like, a lot of, like, why are you out of position and it leads to a goal kind of plays. So, I don't know what the organization is trying to evaluate there with, with Libor, but this might just be a case of, you know, what can they do? I don't I haven't looked at what the cap issues might be with bringing up Rayonainen. I don't know if there's some obstacle there. I I I think someone mentioned that on Twitter, but I, I didn't look into it yet. But, like, I I think it's time to maybe not have this, <laughs> if we can avoid it. And, you know, if there's a smaller move that can be made that doesn't involve moving D'Angelo, then the Rangers should maybe look into doing that, because there's some bleeding here, and it would be nice if it was stopped.
0: Right, and my thought is, and I can understand if their their thought with Reininen is that, They just want to play him in the AHL a little bit more. And I could understand that logic, him coming over to North America. Um, But, like, it's not even so much where I could see it's they're going to learn much because there's literally three teams, including the Wolfpack, in their division. So it's just literally a, you know, we're going to play Bridgeport, and then we're not going to play Bridgeport. I think it's what it's Providence. Bridgeport and Providence are the two teams they're rotating against. Um but, yeah, like, we've seen enough of Lieber Hayek, and um, unfortunately it was a situation where the Rangers thought they were getting something different in a trade, and same can be said of, of Brett Howden, although that's a story for another day that I, I want to look into because
1: I it's, – It's something worth talking about, though, because, like, not to dive into it, Tom, but, like, isn't this the oppor- like the moment when you would hope that Brett Howden steps up?
0: It's now or well yeah, it's like now or never because you had yeah. uh you had Zabanajad playing like shit, you had Strome playing like shit, you had no heedle in the lineup, and if there were ever a time for Howden to like get She's attention, moment, yeah. but he just hasn't, and I think it's because he's incapable of doing so. And this is not to rag on Brett Howden, um a guy that probably shouldn't have been in the league as early as he was. He's like the one rare prospect that the Rangers have gotten that we're like, you know what? We do not need him to have any AHL time whatsoever. He's just going to go into the, the NHL and do his thing. No problem. Um, The
1: exception of the rule. He's the guy who gets unlimited leash and stays in the lineup and gets, gets in the lineup from day one and just sticks around, sticks around, sticks around, sticks around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think in the case of Hayek and him, I think you know, we, you can think back to shows we've done in prior years and or stories we've written about, and you have comments that, like, well, why are you caring so much about a fourth line forward, an extra forward, you know, an extra defenseman, whatever? Well, because of moments like this where you have a bunch of injuries or you have a bunch of injuries and your top players aren't stepping up, that means that... You're looking to other people on your roster, so it behooves you to have people that can step up, that can take behooves initiative, you. and yeah, behooves like, uh, and help it's stop the bleeding it's to to. to and thank you. I was looking for a way to to, to use it, um, but it, it's again, like in a grand scheme of things, oh, well. Kevin. Kevin Rooney has stepped up in, you know, a small way, Um, you know, being good in the bottom six. Like it's these little things that ultimately where this team wants to go, you're going to, to, to be able to do that. Like look at the success of the team that went to the cup final 13, 14, you had your Dominic Moores, you had your Benoit Pouliot's, you had your bottom six, Derek Broussard's like Derek Dorsett. You had all of these guys that were able to pull their weight and do things that were nudging the needle in a positive. Um, you know, it wasn't a bunch of guys hitting home runs. It was just keeping the line moving single after single after single um, and pushing the team in the right direction. where right now um you have guys that are, are are just not doing that and like we we're talking about this a little bit in the slack today um my philosophy is and i may be wrong and i'm gonna investigate this a little more i want to flush it out to see if i'm you know not thinking of this clearly but i think of this rangers team right now and you can just say you know what it's a pretty fucked up year you know injuries covid um we're divisions yeah we're having some positive results but by and large we don't project to be a playoff team and um we're looking to in this rebuild turn the corner in the next you know 12 to 18 months and i think that going is granted if the season next season starts on time and you have you know a proper vaccine rollout yeah you might have um full fans in the sand. Oh yeah, that's another thing we didn't mention. Uh we're going to have fans back in MSG um starting, you know, tomorrow for, for the Rangers. Um, you're going to have a lot of teams in the league that they may be looking to, you know, cut salary. They may not be as active and we've seen that this year with waiver situations where otherwise talented players who, you know, not some making a ton of money in it, it, obviously they don't they, they don't get claimed um but have of use that they just go unclaimed so my perspective is you look at this team and you say okay we're not really going to go anywhere what can we sell off of value now because you might have a team that in a regular year they're in a really tough division and they might be the third team. They might be the wild card, and that puts them at a disadvantage come first round of the playoffs. But this year, the divisions are are kind of wacky, and it's like they might have an opportunity that they're not going to have to face a strong team in the first round. And you might have some strong teams that get knocked out, and your opportunity to go win a Stanley Cup is a lot different because like, I think of like the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? they're not going to be in a situation where they're going to be playing the Boston Bruins in the first round. That has been their obstacle that they've not been able to overcome. Um, You know, you obviously have a division where you have like Tampa Bay and and Florida and Chicago and Nashville. Um, That's a little bit different. So my line of thinking, and I know I'm drawing this out, um, you sell what you can even if you have to do it at a little bit of a discount, but then that sort of puts you ahead of the game when it comes to uh, the off season and free agency and the trade market that we don't end up in the position where we were last year where, yeah, there just weren't any takers for Strom or there weren't takers for D'Angelo or there weren't takers for this, where every trade deadline, if a team thinks that they can win a Stanley Cup, they're going to give you something of, of value. And you might say that's giving up on the season, but I see it as, okay, it's creating more ice time for Lafreniere. It's creating opportunities for some of the guys in Hartford, whether it's Morgan Barron or Reuninen, um, Khodorenko, you name it. And that would be beneficial to the team, especially as they're evaluating, okay, what do we need to ultimately become a contender?
1: Yeah, the the question I have is, like, what is here that isn't stapled down that can really be be moved other than, like, Stromer and, you know, D'Angelo? Um, I mean, we could see, you know, a Gorgiev trade. Like, that could happen. But um, I'm more curious, really, about what happens with the coaching situation now because I've kind of reached a point where, you know, I, I'm not a goddamn, you know, president of a hockey team, nor am I qualified to be one, not a GM, none of those things. I, and I'm also typically not someone who's, like, running a coach out of town. But I, I, I feel like I've seen all of David Quinn's best ideas so far, to some extent. Um, you know, that might be unfair of me, and I know there are some people who are like, ah, oh, that's not enough, Mike, you should be more critical, but like, uh... You know, this is a guy who's all about developing, supposed to be all about developing young players. And we've seen the rules not apply to everyone. And then, you know, he says things like, oh, the veteran status for guys like Cryder and Mika is lifted. They have to do what everyone else has to do. And, you know, not treating everyone on a level playing field and all those things. It just, uh, I'm a little fed up with David Quinn sometimes, Tom. That's what I'm trying well, to get yeah. to.
0: Well, yeah. And, like, my contention with Quinn is this. It's been kind of... I don't, I don't know if alarming is the word I want to use, but it's been interesting how many times recently you hear, heard him quoted and it, when it comes to ice time and like, oh, you know, didn't get as much ice time for this player as I would have wanted. Or, yeah, we're not getting the effort we want. Or, we're not having the focus. Like, it's all things that... A head coach is kind of responsible for and like things that they can control um and obviously it goes without saying yeah you have all of the the injuries and whatnot and you have people playing out of position but this is going back before all that and the analogy that i used in the slack was that the rangers set out on a rebuild and they wanted to do things in a particular way but when the best free agent came on the market, a player who is you know legitimately, I'd say a top five player in the game. If you don't want to say top five, at the very least top ten, they didn't let the fact that they were in a rebuild stop them from going out and getting them, and you know change changing the the timeline, so to speak. Given all of the coaches that are out there, and I'm not saying that I'm particularly set on anyone. At all, if you if you have an opportunity to make an upgrade at the coaching position, like it's something that at the very least you should consider. Um, and again, like this is not fire David Quinn. This is not you know we're pushing him out the door. This is not being impatient, anything like that. I just think that next year will be the fourth year on his contract. I believe it was a five year deal that he signed, um, and. If they're not at the point that they thought they were going to be, then like it's a legitimate question and, and like, like I said a lot earlier, um, you know, there's a reason why, you know, odds makers made him the third most likely to be the next coach fired. And like I've seen other writers, um, outside of New York like question like, hey, you know, you know, Quinn was brought in to be this young development coach and, you know, we're not quite seeing it. um, What we would have thought now, granted, like Kako has been better this year than he was last year. Um, You know, Lafreniere's underlinings have been good, but still it's, you know, not exactly everything that you maybe would have wanted to see, which is fine, but it's, it's not something where you say, Oh, Quinn is definitely the coach a hundred percent. Like, I think it's fair to question it and fair to say are there things that we can be doing a little bit better Um, and if you do make the change now you do have the rest of this season to work out whatever kinks there are of a new coaching style and tendencies in that so that you're going into next season like, okay our most important players and the people that we're building around are on the same page it's now on anyone who we acquire or are going to promote from within um to take the reins and you know like i've said before i think chris Nabock is a guy that they should consider obviously their head coach in hartford um he was seen as sort of a rising star in hockey he's been you know uh, coaching um you know very long time. Like and he's he's a young guy. He was Connor McDavid's coach and junior. He was with the the Flyers as an NHL assistant. Um so like if they went that route I I'd be fine with it. But I I do sort of like don't understand the thought like when i see people like oh like quinch is getting a pass because of everything that's going on where like the th- the things the reason why people have the conversation is because some of the things that he himself has said or he himself has done that he can control independent of the talent that he has or doesn't have
1: yeah and you know it's this is year three. Um and you know when a coach is as is, is talented and as successful as like Claude Julian becomes available I think if you're the Rangers you have to ask yourself if you'd be better off with that coach or if you'd, you'd be better off giving Knobloch an opportunity. Um, I think it's, it's irresponsible not to consider those things um, you know regardless of what may be going on with um, you know regardless of what may be going on with the team itself like you know details like Panarin or injuries or or this crazy COVID season like none of those things should exempt or exclude you from from considering things when you know oh you know does should David Quinn get a pass because all these things are going on I don't know does any other coach get a pass did you know did Claude Julian get a pass because Carey Price could make a save and he has a sub 900 save percentage Tom like it's a really rough business being a hockey coach uh, at this, you know, in the NHL at this level. Like, um, I I'll be really curious to see what the discourse turns into if if this the Rangers struggles kind of continue because right now it's, you know, things are, you know, stop me if you've heard this before. The Rangers have pretty good goaltending. Um, they have some underperforming stars and they're really hoping that a lot of kids can step up and and carry the team you know it's i have heard that story before like are the rangers as much as a disaster as buffalo is and maybe not but you know they have four wins in their last 10 games and you know it's they're only going to be a worse team you know, generally speaking, than they have been because of the guys who are out of the lineup. So, it's tough. And and I say all this knowing that they played really well against Philly. Um, you know, by all, by all accounts, the Rangers kind of deserve to win that game. Other than the fact that they absolutely shot themselves in the foot and they couldn't stay out of the penalty box and the penalty kill, which has been such a success story. Um, I think that was like the first time in forever they allowed two power play goals against. And you know, some of the some of the penalties you know you look at a guy like julian gotier taking like a high sticking penalty and you're just like oh my god kid please we're all pulling for you don't don't fucking high stick anyone don't make mistakes because you know that he's going to get no ice time and we're just going to see the same you know the same things repeat over and over and over again but at least we have colin blackwell tom at least we have colin blackwell and adam fox and Igor Sturkin.
0: That we do. Um, I think now is a really good time to uh, take an ad break and then after that we'll be right back to to wrap up the show. Um, and uh, yeah, after that we'll uh, we'll be right back. like that we're back from the ad break um, I want to end the show Mike and we can do this a little you know quickly because I, I know it's obviously a fluid situation and it's things a lot of people have talked about um, obviously you mentioned Buffalo and it got my mind going it's something I wanted to put in the the notes of things to talk about it seems that we have once again you know obviously people talk a lot about David Quinn but I feel like there's been equal amount of talk. About Jack Eichel and the whole Jack you know, Eichel. We're going
1: here, Tom. We're going to Jack Eichel country.
0: Yeah, I think we'll go to Jack Eichel country. We can just talk a little bit because um, we did talk about this on a previous podcast, um, you know, with Melissa Burgess and you know how it was, you know, unlikely anything to happen this season. But as bad as things have been for the Rangers with injuries and and things like, I feel bad for buffalo too because it's just like they've had injury after injury and then they have like Jeff Skinner is a healthy scratch going on 3 games and it's just like I don't know it's maybe it's like a New York state thing um although I mean I don't think the Islanders have really had much going on in in a negative way um I I guess I'll I'll ask it in in this way Mike um do you think jack eichel is something that is going to happen for the rangers or do you think that this is just like another situation of ooh, there's a really good player that's going to probably become available and the rangers just happen to be involved with everyone um or is it, it more or less just like a situation of, hey, it might actually work out because they do need help with centers and all of that fun stuff?
1: Well, I think it's, it, you know, a lot of things fit that make this super tantalizing for for Rangers fans. I think we we talked about similar, like a similar story with like Panarin and Free Agency when it was like, is he going to land here? Is he not? And, you know, we have in the past, there have been, you know, like the rick nash trade and and you know before that like the marion gabrick trade and like when the rangers it seems like when the rangers really 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 want to get involved and there's a big name out there the rangers are going to be involved and it's not often where like everything lines up like boy the rangers could use a jack eichel and hey we have his former college coach and boy, we have a lot of young guys that would be tantalizing for Buffalo to get back in a trade, like a Nils or what have you. And, you know, all these things, it's like, eh, I don't see why not. But, like, do I think there's something here? I mean, yeah, I think there is. But only because, like, from what we've heard reported, the Rangers are one of the teams asking about it. And... Like I said before, with whether or not the Rangers should be looking at other options for the head coach position, like you have to ask if you can get Jack Eichel. Just like, you know, you have to ask Edmonton every once in a while, hey, Connor McDavid, what do you think? Do do the Rangers even have room to make that work? That doesn't matter. You still ask. But, like, Jack Eichel is, you know, one of the best players in the league. And the Rangers, you know, could... Set themselves up to have the reality of adding another franchise forward, and you know they're in a unique position with some of their cap, where you know they have contracts coming, coming off the books and everything, where they could maybe make things work. I mean, that's complicated by, you know, a lot of people think D'Angelo's situation might be headed to a buyout, but because of his age, um, it won't be as punitive to the Rangers. But still, it's another buyout on the books for an extended period, and like. All those things in mind, Tom. I think there's there's smoke here and there's probably a little bit of fire here. The question, this all comes down to what Jack Eichel wants to do. And he's really goddamn frustrated with with what's happened to Buffalo. Understandably so. Especially because this year, like, I, I thought Buffalo really did a good job in the offseason, Tom. I really did. I thought they did a great job. And I look at what's happened to Buffalo now and it's so frustrating to see what's happened there. You know like someone who has like zero investment in buffalo other than like having to write for them when freelance hockey writing was a thing before the pandemic now i just haven't had the opportunity to write about anyone but the rangers and women's hockey like you just look at it and you're just like god damn that sucks because those fans deserve better and that city deserves better and jack Eichel deserves better and this just sucks right but the Rangers are in a fun position where they really need a guy like a Jack Eichel because of the position he plays and what he represents and how good he is. And they have a lot of pieces they could send towards Buffalo to make it tempting. Like, I don't even know like what other teams could really put together an offer that would be super tempting.
0: Here's a hot take. And I, I I, like, like I've seen a lot of the discourse about this and like I've started to look into it, but I feel that people are vastly overestimating what it's going to cost to get Jack Eichel and what the Buffalo Sabres can ask for for Jack Eichel for a number of reasons. I think the biggest thing in the way of any Jack Eichel trade is cost in the sense of how much money he's making. Um, in a, a lot of the trades that we've seen in the past, like bona fide blockbuster deals, you've had a couple of situations. You've had players not making ten million dollars a year for for starters. Um, you've had players who had less than you know. Let's see, he's got one, two, three, four, five years left on his deal after this one. So that's also another. Um, potential barrier he's got a 7.5 million dollar signing bonus before the 2020 23 season or 22 23 season excuse me um so like right there the financials of it are going to cut off a pretty big swath of teams in the league um so that's number one number two jack eichel um as of right now He's got 351 points in 370 games. Like, that is pretty darn good, but it's not a point per game. Um, And like the last player of like extreme magnitude that I think of, you know, being being traded not for just a um, for like a deadline type thing, but they wanted to make it work long term was Ilya Kovalchuk, and he was traded from Atlanta to the Devils, and they ultimately signed him to, you know, an ex- a record contract that was then voided by the league, and then he, you know, sort of signed a- another one, and then he got bought out. But at that time, like, you know, he had played over like close to 700 games and was well over a point-per-game player. Then you look at the Rick Nash trade, um, like, this is a guy that had multiple 30-goal seasons. Um, you know, he had a couple 40-goal seasons. Like, where you look at Jack Eichel, right, he scored 36 goals once. Um, yeah, like, you know, he also has, you know, a 54-assist season, you know, 82 points uh, in the 18-19 year. But, like, by and large, what you getting in Jack Eichel is not only like a really good player, but like you're trying to project out how good he is going to be. Um, And I I think any team acquiring him, obviously like in the case of the Rangers, they have the pieces to put around him that you're going to get a lot of good value. Um, But still C.1, all of the money that's going to be involved is somehow going to dilute the return that they can, can ask for. So, and then not option three, um, he's going to have a no move clause that's going to kick in eventually. That you know goes at the same time that he has that last seven and a half million dollar signing bonus. So he could say, "Oh, I only want to go to X team, or I only want to go to one of two teams," and then it's it's going to be a situation of. Um, you know, say it's the Rangers and the Bruins. I'm just throwing those two teams out there for, you know, just at random. Like, then it becomes a situation of it's trying to get the best deal you can because it's not like a situation where, oh, an L.A. can offer a really big package of prospects that would really entice Buffalo. It's like, no, it's, it's either this team or this team, and – you're gonna take the best offer that you can get, um, but I, I just feel like I people seeing like like oh it could cost one of Lafreniere or, or Kako like Lafreniere is not going anywhere like it'd be really stupid for the Rangers to finally get a number one overall pick, draft him and then trade him so like I whenever I see Lafreniere's name brought up like that's just unrealistic. Like I think, kind of the same way with Kako. Like, why would they even entertain doing that? Um, Like, personally speaking, and I could be wrong here, but I really think this is more, more or less, it's like a Vitaly Kratsov, a Zach Jones, uh, potentially Nils Lundqvist. Although I think they want to have that insurance um, because you don't know what's going to happen with Truba long term. And then you're going to have a roster player or two. And then it's just going to be a bunch of picks. Like, it's not going to be this, like, massive, massive, massive return. Now, I may be wrong here, but I just think, like, you look at... I think it's going
1: to be big. It's Jack Eichel.
0: But, like, okay, but how can they demand a lot if they have a limited number of potential suitors that can, A, absorb his cap hit, um, can pay his signing bonus... Um, like, I think that limits things. And if he wants out, like you're, you're already dealing from a position of like, they're trading him because he wants to leave. Like, it's not like a situation of things are all hunky dory and he's going to be a free agent in two years. So like, they're trying to, to, you know, move him before it's too late. Like, I just think the environment doesn't lend themselves to getting as big a package as people seem to be talking about. And, again, I admit I may be wrong here, but, like, I just feel like people don't look at how trades in the NHL work. Um, like, look at Taylor Hall. Like, that was one for one, and he ended up winning, like, a Hart Trophy. Like, Look at Panarin, right? He got traded uh, for Saad. Um, so, like, you have talented players that got jack shit.
1: No, I know. I just think – I mean, it's crazy, Tom. It's absolutely crazy. I, like, a lot of those guys got traded, like, uh, the Taylor Hall trade was fascinating for, for a lot of reasons, but, like, the Panarin trade was, like, everyone knew, was, like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a crazy trade, but even before, like, that trade happened, it was pretty clear that, you know, Panarin wasn't quite the player he's established himself as now. There's still some question of whether or not he was being buoyed by playing with, you know, with Patrick Kane, et cetera. In Chicago, like how much of this production is is Panarin, how much is Patrick Kane, etc. But then looking at like what's out there, like this is, I, I can't imagine the return being pretty modest for for Eichel. I think it'll be. I don't think. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like six assets for one, and with the like a first and the rain and like Nils Lundqvist and like, you know, a bunch of other guys. Like this isn't like trades back in the day where you know it's like. You, you traded like seven guys to try to equal the value of one guy. <laughs> when general managers are like, "All right, hold on, can you throw in this guy, just in case, uh just in case?" But like looking at Buffalo, you know, they have Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner signed until the end of eternity, and then no one else is really signed to the end of the eternity. So the, the adding young players who can develop in, as opposed to waiting on, on, you know picks and seeing what they become might be pretty tempting to them like you know it might mean a lot to them to add a guy like a nils lundquist and then like you i think obviously a roster player will go back and there's a couple of guys who make a lot very attractive for the rangers to potentially send back but also you have to wonder about the guys the rangers have to send back to make things work from the cap perspective but you know as much as this might be of like the sabers can't be choosers if they're kind of beggars here but there's nothing that says they have to get rid of jack eichel you know this is just a question of he has this no trade clause window that's going to close but he's under contract until 2026
0: oh yeah and like this is not me saying that a team is going to steal jack eichel um i just think that we are probably pricing it a lot higher than it's actually going to be and not that like obviously he's you know starting the prime of his career. Um, He's like, yeah, he's only 24 years old. So like you're going to be getting the best years out of him. But like when I see, oh, it's like going to be a Lafreniere or Kako and then Nils Lundqvist and a roster player and a first round pick and then like another B prospect. I just like, um, I can't really find any trade that has happened like that, and again, it's you know players like Jack Eichel um, don't generally become available. But um, I guess we'll certainly see. I, I just I've seen a lot of people talking about it, and I, I know people have been talking about the cap space that they're going to to eventually have, and all all of that fun stuff. Um, but uh, I thought it'd be a nice thing to sort of end on. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say before I read the list of our patrons?
1: Um no I feel like we covered pretty much everything there's I mean there's so much to cover just because it's been a while but um yeah the it's been it's been a really crazy stretch for the Rangers with all the, everyone out of the lineup um I'm, I'm if you're someone who's really thinking about going to the garden for one of these games please be safe have fun uh underline the safe part please be super safe and uh, obviously you know since the last time we talked with everyone hope everyone is. Healthy and everyone in your lives is as healthy and as safe as they can be, given that we're still in this kind of grim reality that we're all stuck in. But remember to be kind to each other, be good to each other. Go ahead, Tom. Read the patrons.
0: So, yeah, it's been a while, um, and I'm going to read the list of patrons um, as they were, as would have been our um, last show in January. I understand that. This list has changed, and people have altered their pledges or um, dropped it com- completely for whatever reason or another. Um, some people have filled out notes in the exit survey. Um, know that um, you know I read the exit surveys, and you know I understand your decisions. No, you know, matter what, um, you know nothing is obviously held against you. Obviously, your your situations vary how you feel about certain things. Um, we totally understand and I share that, you know, information with Mike. Um, you know, we we appreciate everyone who listens to the show. We appreciate everyone who supports the site. Um, you know, we understand obviously opinions can change in in how you feel about certain things and just know that um it is acknowledged uh, internally. We we do share the information. We do talk about it. You know, we may not like address it publicly or, or whatever, but know that when you, you are saying something, you know, to us, whether you're messaging us on Patreon, you're filling out those surveys that um, it is read. It is understood. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. But um, we are thankful for those who, you know, have supported us, um, a six-week gap, um, Naholic and Gaspar, Amriel under Chicago and Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarne Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Gizen, Frank Menino, George Littman, Jamie Bussell, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Pretzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Wallace, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olsen, Michael Kenick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Finn Panera in twenty twenty Patrick Landolt perennial powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Sean Steve Bialback Stink Flamen tall guy Rob the Tin Man Tory from Manhattan Trevor Kepner um, you know thank you for for your support like I I had said at the beginning I know that this list um has changed but you did su- some of the people on this list had supported the podcast as of, as of January and obviously we had shows delayed so I wanted to. Just, you know, publicly recognize, you know, everyone of the list that was there last time. Um, You know, certainly we do appreciate all of the support. Um, As we try and get back into the swing of things, um, we certainly are going to try and have mailbags, you know, questions you might have, you know. Um, you know, it was kind of hard when we were doing bannering points. Like, we weren't getting a ton of questions, or the questions we were getting were stuff that we um, addressed on the show. Um, but as always, we do appreciate the feedback. We do appreciate your messages. We do appreciate your support. Um, Mike, I really appreciate you as always. Um, I appreciate your time. And uh, like Mike said, we hope you're all well. And if you are, Go into the garden for a game. Uh, Stay safe. Um, Be well, you and your family and everything going on. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Be well. Bye-bye.
1: Bye, folks.